I just took a shower a little while ago. You know when you have a hot shower that raises your internal thermostat? I'm like still sweating. You know when you hit, you're sweating so much it goes down your back and drips right down your butt crack? <laughs> How's that a way to start a spiritual seminar? <laughs> I had standing there with sweat going down my butt crack. I do it just to see him smirk. <laughs> this is what we're supposed to do before we meditate and get spiritual. It is. <laughs> I gotta cool off. I am really sweating. Oh, see, look I think at that. She turned the temperature down a little bit. Thank you. I'll cool off a little bit during meditation and all. <laughs> so, I always have fun. I, I hope Kelsey doesn't mind me teasing her about all the Q&A. But it really, I just do want to say it really does help keeping that, that inwards and upwards focus. And I mean, for all of us. And uh, you've heard me say it over and over, and I'll keep saying it over and over. The more we do that, the more we're really going to wake up to God. And all those things that we think we need to ask questions about for in the world, in our personal problems, that's the joke of the reporter problem, those will get handled as we really focus on God. And so that's, that's really the biggest part of really trying to keep our questions lined up, really more about the inner process of awakening. Because it's so important to do that. Otherwise, when we really just focus on the questions and our 10% level or physicality, that's then where our focus is rather than on spirit and God. And I know everybody thinks about asking God or praying to bring God into our lives, but the way that happens is for us to wake up into God. Because you've got to understand, the spiritual journey is about you that is God waking up into God. And then that which is the God essence in you will then answer all of what you think are your problems. But when you're focused on your problems and trying to get the answers to get it right and sort it through so your life's okay then you're not focused on God anymore, and so you're going to just keep getting more of the same in the world. Even if you temporarily, seemingly fix something, as soon as you fix that, something else breaks. You know, like these bodies. <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, all right. I'm still wearing this belt. I've been wearing it a little less because the back's getting stronger. But, you know, I'm sitting up this long. I still wear it just for that support. You know, but they even told me after a while, now getting a couple of vertebrae fused, well, when that happens, it can actually now weaken the upper ones, so eventually those might start to break down faster than what they normally would. So I'm like, oh, great, something to look forward to. <laughs> you know, but another way of looking at that is like, well, hey, maybe this is like karma. That as we really focus on God, the karma start breaking down and degenerating <laughs> until they're just dissolved and gone. And that's really the process here that as we keep focusing spiritually up into, into the soul and God, then that energy of loving comes in and dissolves all that which we're attached to. Think about it. When we die, we're letting go of the body. What happens to the body? It dissolves. Even if it takes a while to dissolve, it does. So in a sense, aren't we doing that when we're lifting up out of body, going home to God by withdrawing the soul? In a sense, aren't we allowing things to die off, dissolve. The body itself is karma. All of our experience here is karma. So as the soul goes home to God, we're letting go of the karma. Well, that means even on the last breath, we let go of the karma that the body is. So 
that's the practicality of this. But if we're so scared and we're trying to make the body live eternally or, you know, all this anti-aging and longevity of health, I like Jim's phrase years ago, he said, why don't we just age gracefully rather than anti-aging? You know, you got Christ and anti-Christ, you got aging and anti-aging. You know, it's still duality. It's pointless because this creation is set up in such a way there's a birth and a death. So how about we focus beyond the limitation and the illusion of birth and death and focus on where the eternity really resides, and that's just spiritually. And so that's what we're doing here is focusing on that eternal life that is the soul and God in spiritual realms rather than that which is temporary here in this physical creation. So as we keep our focus there, well, even in Q&A, this is the opportunity for when you take the microphone, ask a question or email it in, however we do it, that it gives you the opportunity to focus yourself in the spirit and really ask the questions that are going to serve you spiritually. Because when you do that, you open a door in your consciousness that allows the Holy Spirit in so the grace can now really begin a greater action of freeing you from all the karmic attachments through the mind, emotions, imagination, and body. And that's the purpose in that. And that's why we need to keep focusing it there. I mean, as you guys have seen over the years, Jim and I can take any question and turn it into spirit. But since we've been doing that and you guys see how to make that happen, why don't we now take the next step and start you know, lifting the questions even to an, a higher place and see where that takes us. Part of the reason we went ahead, even though we, over the years we said, let's keep the questions focused on spirit, even though Jim and I kept answering even the physical things, is because we know when people are karmically attached in those areas, that we've got to offer some level of support or clarity so that people have an idea how to move through that. So there's value in that, and that's why we did it. But after a certain point, we've got to now begin to lift higher. Because if you listen back to all the years we've been doing this, there's a lot of tools as far as how to handle your physical life with loving and accepting and forgiving. There's a lot of tools there. All the communication stuff we talked about is communion and action. So if you want to bring God and spirit into your physical life, those tools are there. But I know a lot of you are really ready to go higher now and start talking about the realms of spirit rather than just all the realms of physicality. So this is a way to do that. So if you want to support that in yourself and in the group, then this is a way to assist yourself and everybody in doing so. And it's a transition. We'll see what happens and how long it takes and where we go from there. So as we enter into the new year and wrap this one up, I guess it's a whole generation. It's been 20 years, 1999 when I started, and here's 2019. Interesting, huh? Yeah. 20 years. Wow. I am getting old. Do you have anything to share? I'm sure. It's just a matter of getting going. It's so fun just sitting here watching the purple light all the time Jim was talking. It's just such a nice place to be in. I guess things are starting to change. Yeah.
little walk down memory lane. I've been talking about it myself. Maybe that's where I'll start and all that. It's funny because when Jim was talking, it literally was bringing me through different things myself. Um, walking that journey myself, starting at the age of 23. It's really back at the end of 1988. My awakening started, but I didn't really become more conscious and participating in 19, until 1989. And then when I did, boy, it just opened very quickly. And it was very fascinating for me because a lot of it where I started was in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And all the things Jim described from the uh, Fetzer Institute and beyond was in Kalamazoo. And then even in Arizona, I moved to Arizona for six months and all these other things you didn't even mention today, the work they've done with like the Edgar Casey Foundation and, you know, Course in Miracles and all these other groups Jim would even touch into today that he did with the Fetzer Institute. Um, it's funny because when I began my process within the first two years before I even got initiated, I literally went through all the different organizations, not even knowing what that Jim was partaking in all that. From the Fetcher Institute to the Coptics, to the leader of the Coptics now, I had a numerology reading, not even knowing who he was, you know, to the Edgar Casey stuff, living in Arizona for a while, then out to California where I got initiated in MSA. And then later learning about even this pathway throughout history, you know, with the current lineage from Saint-Mat and over here. And it's just quite an amazing journey. And it just has always thrilled me until the last few years, I guess. <laughs> it's just been hard uh, the last few years, as you all know, culminating in the back surgery here, of course. But the joy of that process of that awakening because like Jim said, it's always been about God and pursuing God and then that all these things were laid out by God as actions of service for him to do in the world. And I begin to see when I look back and hear Jim share like that, how my life even went through a lot of these actions of service that he helped implement in the world through that action God was giving him. And I see the perfection of how that brought me through spiritually, why we're here today, you know, together doing this action. And I just would always get so excited about all the inner experiences that I'd have. I mean, I had a lot. I mean, every week there were things going on. And I didn't understand it all. I was just excited to have the experience and keep growing and learning. And then in 1990, of course, when I met Jim, uh, just a year after I started all this, and then we stayed in touch, obviously, till I came here in 97, and then things even took a jump to the next level with all that. Right up till the end of 1999, it was actually this month, the, the day after Thanksgiving, I remember, is the first time I saw the face of God. That's when God gave me the choice and said, Jim Gordon, money or the matrix? <laughs> Well, I said Jim Gordon. Wish I had chosen the money now, but, you know. <laughs> so here I am still, still stuck with Jim, but, you know. <laughs> 
so 20 years later, here we are, literally, my God, 20 years since that first, believe me, there was plenty up until then and plenty since then, but maybe that's a good place to kind of pick up where things took the next level here um, when I was given the choice, because at the time I'd been, as many of you know, in MSIA where I got initiated with John Roger um, back in 19, actually I started in 89, but you had to wait two years to get initiated there. So it was the beginning of 1991, actually, that I got initiated. And boy, what a journey that was. I mean, from having the out-of-body experiences, you know, with John Roger to Jesus and Mother Mary and different angels and just even a lot of spiritual teachers, I have no idea what their names are. Many of them I do. Um, it's just incredible that all we can experience on the inner realms. I mean, just the physical level just falls so short. I know there's a lot of books and groups out there that talk a lot about things, but boy, to actually have the experience is a whole other thing. And that's why you hear so much always come back to the meditation itself. It sounds cool reading about things and hearing about us, even talking about it, but nothing beats actually going and having your own experience. That's the biggest key. And all this has always made, motivated me from day one, but the end of 1999 when I saw the face of God for the first time, and I've seen God many times since, but that's when it really began a whole nother level of experience, to say the least. But that's also when it began the action of service for me, because when I made that choice to do service, that's when karmically a lot of things were lifted from me as far as anything that I had intended or wanted to do in the world because really all along I had been wanting to be of service and in MSI they call it the traveler consciousness where I just wanted to literally have a family and do service and that was it that's all I wanted to do with life at that point but I guess God made sure that was going to happen but in much different ways than what I had intended or planned so that's a big one right there you might as well throw your plans out the door. Because <laughs> if you really want God first, God's always got different plans for us than we really have for ourselves. It's fine to have the plans that you're moving forward in your physical life. Just be aware that as you, if you really make God first, those plans will change. I know they did for me for sure, to this day. And even when I think I'm getting plans even up to this day, they're always changed, one way or another. ILM's definitely a different experience than what I thought it was going to be. In some ways, it seems like we've shrunk over the years as far as people attending and participating in this action. Because you look around the room, there's not a whole lot of people. You know, I remember in the day when Jim was doing all the more, you know, metaphysical and psychic readings and all, we were having, you know, four dozen people attending class and all, and having a good time. I remember a couple classes where Jim literally went through the whole room with everybody and did a spiritual reading and their spirit guides and all that. Remember all that? That was pretty fun back then. Well, in a way, you could say we're doing the same thing now. The difference is instead of all the spiritual guides and angels and helpers, it's really God, the greatest one of all. So instead of reading your beads, we're reading your soul because it really is about your soul and it's awakening. But make no mistake, even when we talk about God and your soul all the time, 
all the things like Jim shared today is that which is going to best serve you in your soul's journey of awakening and liberation, God is going to make sure to support you if you're willing to let God do that. But if you're determined to do it on your own and yourself, then God will give you the choice to do that. It's up to you. It really is. It's what are you willing to, in a sense, sacrifice. Or another way of saying it is, what do you make more important? Because if you make God more important, that means you're willing to sacrifice everything else. But if you make everything else more important, in a sense, you're sacrificing God. You may think you're finding the middle way, but what I found, well, I guess that's a good way to say it, the middle way. <laughs> Even to find the middle way, what I found is you still got to make God first to really find the middle way. Otherwise, I find it's truly lopsided. But for me, back in 99, I mean, I made the choice pretty much from day one when I started at the end of 98 when I made the choice to start pursuing that journey spiritually. And it's always been that, even to this day, I'm always looking to God first and pursuing God. Like, what's next? What do you want me to do? What should I partake in? What should I, you know, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of that. I'm always looking for that action of God through every single level of creation and right into the physical too. And like I was sharing earlier, sometimes I've allowed the physical to get too much in the way when I think it's to be a certain way or I want it to be a certain way and then it's not. I'm running up against those walls of disappointment and where you finally throw your arms up and say, okay, thy will be done. But it's always funny because it always is thy will be done. But boy, the places we'll take ourselves of the misery and the suffering and the whatever to get to the point where we're just so worn out and sick of it all, we do just let go. And that's really when life does change. And that's a lot of what the process is here. When we really let go, then we see our, our lives change. But until then, we seem to ever be working so hard to make things happen. And I find myself still, you know, doing that from time to time. But then when I hear Jim share like he did today, just saying, wow, here's, you know, Here's God or the Archangel Michael, everything. Everybody's going, oh my God, I wish I had stuff like that being given. And then he sets it aside going, well, it's up to God, you know, not even trying to do anything with it. Most people would try to make everything happen or do something with it. And often then the ego gets in the way. And even other people, when he's given them these things that were given by spirit, unfortunately, a lot of times people's egos do get in the way. And... That's just kind of the way of the world, and it's hard. But I have found that when there are things that God really does want done in the world to serve the soul, whether it's the journey of liberation through the path of sun and light, or whether it's a journey of evolution. Because, you know, this day and age, we are going into what people have called a new age, or raising a frequency. And so there is an evolutionary process that is taking place as well right now, not only on this planet, but all around here. And so we're witnessing that change. We're participating in that change. And sometimes we get confused because we focus on the physical and metaphysical and think that's what is spiritual. Well, in truth, it's not. Spiritual really is just the soul and realms of spirit. 
And that's where you're going to always hear us and ILM come back to that and make it about that, to always lift the focus up higher to the next level beyond it all. And so pay attention to that in your own experience, in your own journey, that you don't fall short of what it is you're truly pursuing. Is it God you really want or is it really just something else? And I want to say this, even though you hear us all the time make it about God and your soul, that's us. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're presenting and always will. But I didn't start this journey pursuing God. It was all about the psychic for me, the metaphysical. All about the energy medicine, the holistic health, the out-of-body experiences, the visioning, past, present, future. That's where I started, but that's what motivated me. I wanted to be able to read auras and be the healer and do all these things. I did the massage therapy, the polarity balancing, the aura balancing, the energy healing, all these different things. Because it's amazing and fascinating. I even went to college for a little while with acupuncture and so many different things that there, there is. And it's all valuable. It's going to serve us one way or another. And it's called, go ahead and participate in whatever that is that you feel called to participate in. Just make no mistake that that is where your lessons are, though. That is not spiritual. The only thing that is spiritual is your soul in God. And that spirit of God, that's the only thing that is actually spiritual. The rest is physical and metaphysical. Now, that which is spiritual, yes, that is the foundation and basis by which all the physical and metaphysical exists upon. Call it the infrastructure, call it the matrix, call it whatever you want. Because without that essence of spirit, none of this would exist. None of it but it's like a big machine. And the machine needs energy. And that energy is the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we're always coming back to that and focusing on that here. And we will continue to do that. So for me, back in 1999 there, right this month after Thanksgiving, I always look forward to this time of year because that's where my major awakening was, actually. It's so funny, it's in 99, the day after Thanksgiving, where God gave me the choice, and then the day after Christmas, that same year, just a month later, I began the next part where I was given that action of the blue mantle that came from Jim over to me. Even though I was passed on January 4th, it was December 26th, the day after Christmas in 99, that I actually had the experience in spirit where I signed the contract, so to speak, and made the agreement to do the service. And when I did, it was interesting because then uh, Jim was there in spirit with me, and so we began our journey together in this actual service. And I was shown back then to school on the inner levels that was Jim's school, basically, what he had done with ILM and built, and then on the inner levels... And of course, what we see here physically is just the physical level, but in the inner levels, the school in there. And, and it was very interesting because when I came in at that point to be the next teacher to really, in a sense, continue with the school, that with me, we were adding on to the school, adding on another part to the school, another wing, another classroom, so to speak. And we are remodeling 
uh, the dining hall. It's really cool. I remember, literally remember that, the kitchen and the dining hall we were remodeling and I was adding on another part to the school, but that was it. There was just an expansion of what we were doing. And then, of course, as we know in here, it was soon after that that we began the action of initiation. At the time, while well, we had an idea, you know, as that light, that blue light, that mantle of the Christ consciousness was passed from Jim to me, that opened him up for the next step in those next couple of years of receiving that purple light, the action of the Holy Spirit of initiation and in the sacred name. So you could say it's that action of the Holy Spirit and the Christ together. And at that time, I was shown the lineage of these spiritual teachers, that that lineage that even Jesus referred to in the Bible as the sons of God. If you go back and read there, you'll find a reference to the sons of God. Those sons of God back then are what we referred to as the spiritual teachers or the masters of light and sound. Renat Masayajir called them the travelers, the lineage of the travelers. Ekankar called it that too. And that was one of the things I was shown at the time that that which is the mantle, that living word that Jesus spoke of, the living word is that mantle or action of the Holy Spirit that is placed with any son of God, any spiritual teacher that God is giving and empowering to share the sacred name for the soul's liberation. Now that teacher often will have another action of service secondary to that in the world, just like Jim was describing the different actions that he had done with Archangel Michael from Ampra to United Youth International and all that. So those are secondary things, but there's always the primary action, that which is the path of sun and light. Even the founding fathers, when it was the Freemasons, Benjamin Franklin was the master that held the mantle, and it was secretive then, but they gave the initiation like we do today. George Washington held the mantle of the blue light, which often has more of an outer service, which is why he was the president at the time of the revolution and all that went on. So that purple and blue light was right there at the Founding Fathers. In many other cases throughout history, there's always an inner action and service and an outer. And it's just interesting to watch that as it moves across the planet in different ways. So as this was being shared with me from the end of 1999 for the next two, three years is where I got a lot of my, I guess you could call it my master's degree. <laughs> the next two to three years there, not only, of course, did Jim share a lot with me, but most of what I know came from my own experience that was shown to me through the Holy Spirit and many of the different teachers and schools and these inner planes of consciousness. And in there, I was even shown the recent movement of that living word as it was passed back at the time of Sawan Singh in Sant Mat in 1949, when Sawan Singh died as the teacher there, then that mantle he held actually split. And part of the keys went to the present day lineage of Mat, where it exists over in India now. And then the other part came over to the West and it went to Kirpal Singh, which was, he was part of Mat in India there. And he came to the West and he brought the path of sun and light over here to the West, to the United States. And in that, then those keys were passed to Paul Twitchell. And this is from the Holy Spirit. I was shown this, not 
even though we talk about it, you know, you can see it even now, you can read the books and see the organizations. From called Paul Singh, he had his own Santmat group, an offshoot of the main one that's out there now, Radhaswami. And then one of his disciples was Paul Twitchell, who started Ekankar. And so Paul Twitchell is very interesting because Paul Twitchell, he actually held the mantle and was doing initiations, but he only talked about the blue light. He actually didn't talk about the purple. To this day, they talk about the blue light, which I find is interesting because in here you hear us talk about the blue and the purple light. And then in MSI with John Roger, they talk about the purple light, but not the blue. And yet those are two different aspects of this Trinity action of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as that moved more into the West from Kripal Singh to Paul Twitchell, well then those keys that Paul Twitchell had were passed to John Roger. When Paul Twitchell died, that went over to John Roger and MSIA. And that was back in 1968 and 71, I believe. Because it's very interesting because the passing of these keys often take place in stages. And it's often done over a two or three year period of time. It's not always exact. Like I know with John Roger and Paul Twitchell, it kind of started in 1968 and finished in 1971. It's actually when I think they set up MSI, incorporated it. I remember an old talk that John Roger gave in 71. He talked about the passing of a flashlight he didn't say what it was physically, like I am now. I'm actually giving you the physical details. But that was the spiritual action that was going on at the time. And again, this isn't anybody telling me. This is literally what I've been shown by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, Jim and I always talk about it. <laughs> you know, and it's fun to see all the physical details where you can literally see the movement of it physically if you go. And that's what I've always found with spirit. That's always kept my interest. I'd be given things spiritually, just like Jim talked about Ampra, he was given all that. And then, then it would play out physically. And that's how these things were always for me from day one. I was, have the experience spiritually. And then I'd do all my research in the world and start to actually see the physicality of that movement or from as above, so below as it reflects into the world. And so then... As that continued in there, and that's why Jim and I both have been in MSI and were initiated there. And why Jim even went first back in the 70s to get initiated in Samat. But, you know, Charn Singh at the time said, I'm not your teacher to give you the names, but there'll be one for you. And, of course, that's where it was with Jared and MSI back in the 80s then. So, so, of course, as we continued up until 1999, 2000, when this started unfolding with Jim and I, and then over those next couple of years, as this was all, in a sense, me getting my education and training and spirit, that at that time then, over the next, from 2000 to 2002, is where the action, in a sense, really then completed and fulfilled, because then those keys of initiation, the purple light, were passed from John Roger over to Jim, and it was pretty much completed in, April of 2002, if I remember, actually. And actually, many of you were probably there at the conference in uh, June or July of 2002. John Roger actually said the keys were lifted from him. And nobody really knew what was going on, but we did, because we know the keys came over here. And that's just something you know we've lived with and moved forward, continuing the action of initiation, 
the action of service to this path to sound and light. Because this pathway will always exist and move from teacher to teacher, regardless if it's in the same organization or a different one. That's why even like back in 49 in Satmat, well, it, it kind of split. One, one went this direction, one went that direction. And, you know, that's kind of what happens sometimes. Sometimes it's a real movement of spirit, and sometimes it could be somebody's ego trying to perpetrate it. And that just happens. But regardless of how or with who with, through it all, we will always be drawn to where we need for our learning and growth or our liberation. And that's part of the perfection I have found on it. I know there's books out there about these lineages, not only Mat to this day, because the current day Mat I think started in 1865, if I remember, with, um, um, can't remember the teacher's name at the moment, but even well before that, there's just a history. What was his name, David something, that wrote this book? David Lane wrote this book on the lineage and all these different, like a family tree of all that. And what I, you know, it's, it's fun. I've we probably have the books at home, and you know, just doing again our own research and historical with all that. But regardless of all the physical history, it doesn't really matter when it comes down to it, unless that is serving you, the soul, and how God is drawing you forward and unfolding your journey of awakening and liberation. And that's the most important thing to follow. Those of you that are drawn here, Jim and I understand and know why, because it's God bringing you here, because God wants you here to serve you in coming home. And that's all that matters. There's no right or wrong about any of this. It's for you to discover and explore, do your own research, not just physically, but truly spiritually in the meditation. Rather than reading books and trying to figure it out with your mind, meditate and have it revealed to you. And then go read the books like I'm talking about now. That's how I did it. Believe me, it's a lot more fun. But then when I get so excited, I'd try to jump ahead reading more, and then I'd get my mind all in there and it'd mess me up. So I said, screw it. I'm putting away the books, get back to more spending that time in meditation. Because that's always the way to really, truly do it. Simple and elegant. You want to get complex? Go start reading a lot of books. You'll make it complex. Believe me, the mind will do so much with all that information, it'll mess you up. But that's what we'll do. But once you get there, let it go. When you've had enough, let it go. Get back to that simplicity and elegance. And that is what happens when we meditate and truly make that action the most important. And for me, as that continued, as we've shared over the years, as Jim held those keys of initiation, that he held those for a number of years for me to really live and to grow into. And it took me till 2007 I actually really received the first part of them in 2003, the year after Jim got them, but it still took me till 2007 when I really went into the heart of God. And then those keys were anchored in me in my radiant form in the realm of the spirit. And it was during that time in 2007 and ever since that I've really been holding that and moving forward that with that as my main focus. I'll have to say that's about when things started getting harder, too. You guys have seen the jokes Jim's made over the years 
of saying, I didn't want this. He never wanted to hold those keys and do that because he knew what came with it. But me being the imbecile, not understanding and doing, knowing any what goes with that, said, oh my God, this would be exciting. All I ever wanted to do was serve that living word, to be of service. Well, I didn't think of service of actually holding the living word as a mantle, but rather serving the one who does. But I guess in my ignorance and imbecility, is it a word? That's often what God needs. Is somebody that has that simplicity and elegance to really be dumb enough to not mentally try to figure this out and truly just pursue God. And one thing I've come to realize over the years of doing that, in the beginning years, I tried to share that wisdom that I knew, but I think I tried too much because I was the new kid on the block, the young one. Everybody looked at Jim or John Roger and all the other teachers, and who's this idiot Brian coming along who just talks about sweat down his butt crack like I did this morning. You know, it's like, how spiritual is that, right? Well, I've tried to be spiritual, but you know what, people? This is the way I am. It's just the way I am, and I find the more I just honor and accept the way I am, one, the easier it is. And two, I find I have more fun. And I find not only do people laugh and enjoy that, but why? Because it gives you permission to really honor and accept who you are and all of your funny behaviors and what you do or don't do. And not make it wrong. This isn't about making any of it wrong. We all do. We all try to be a certain way. We try to act spiritual. When I tried to act spiritual, I got so serious and I went into depression. I did that six years out there. When I was in California, it took me a couple of three years after I moved to Austin to really come out of it. That's where it's like, yeah, just be yourself. But most people, we're too scared to truly be ourselves. We are always looking to the way we think we're supposed to be to what? Gain people's approval is basically what it boils down to. Just like I cuss and swear once in a while in here, I've had people over the years ask me, could you use something else? Don't, don't say that F word or the S word and all that. And it's just like, yeah, you know, I understand that. But at the same time, I know that it can offend people. But I would ask, if you're offended by certain things, to look at that place inside, why are you offended? Why are you reacting to that? Why can't you just be open and accepting not only of my expression, but other people's as well, let alone your own. Because that's really what it boils down to, is our own. How we perceive ourselves or how we're afraid of others perceiving us. And all the judgments we lay on one another. And I know I'm really laying out a lot more detail, like this passing of the mantle, more than we've ever done in the past. And I'm doing that for a reason, because it's time to just get the air clear. I'm tired of the games. I'm tired of people assuming. I'm tired of people in the past running their shit. And I know probably what I'm saying now, I'm going to get flack for it, but I don't care anymore. I'm tired of withholding things, trying to please people, trying not to have their feelings hurt, no matter what the information is. And just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's true for everybody. I know the truth for myself, and that's why I'm sharing it. A lot of people, especially in MSA or John Morton today, would probably be pretty upset and probably 
pretty judgmental of the whole thing. And you know, that's all right. But I know what the truth is for me. Do you know what the truth is for you? Do they know what the truth is? I do. And I honor that. And that's what this is about for each of us, is to wake up and know that truth within ourselves and to honor that no matter what the world thinks, no matter what other people think, no matter what your own family and closest friends think, but what you know. And if you don't know, don't perpetrate something like you do. But if you do know it, honor it. Don't put it in people's faces. Just honor it and share. Be who you are. Don't shove it down people's throats who you are. But don't hold it back either. We've got to find that balance in the middle way. It's not putting yourself on people, but it's not holding yourself back either. That middle way is that neutral way. It is one of loving and accepting of ourselves. And guess what? When we can truly love and accept ourselves and honor our own expressions, we will do the same for other people. But if we don't do that for ourselves, we will not do that for other people. It's how it works. That's why when I've had people come to me and say things like, could you not swear or do this or that or talk about sweat down your butt crack? I'm sorry, I'm a little boy, potty humor, gross, gross, whatever. I find it humorous. If you don't, well, that's okay. I don't make it wrong if you don't. Just like there's things you do that I probably don't think are very funny, but you do. It doesn't matter if I think it's funny or not. It matters if you do. That's the key. You've got to honor you regardless of others. And here's the real, even a bigger key. When you really do that, you're going to see to some degree the loving around you, even the people who don't like some of your behaviors and want you to change that. When you keep honoring and loving yourself in that, you'll find at some point everybody will begin to really honor and appreciate that even if they don't like it. Just like you saw me talking about sweat down my butt crack and Jim smirking, because that's not his expression. But when he laughs like that, well, why? Why do you laugh, actually, when I say stuff like that? Because it's not something you would, and it probably stretches you in a different way. And that's, to me, part of the entertainment and the fun, though, of being ourselves. At the very least, the entertainment we provide each other. <laughs> we really all are entertaining. Why not give ourselves the freedom to be entertaining rather than holding ourselves back because we're afraid of how we're going to be judged. You allow yourself to come forward and share who you are, you're going to start to find, one, you're going to be a lot happier yourself, but you'll probably start to find people around you actually really like you more, let alone love you. And there will be people who will be put off and won't want to be around you. Good. Why would you want them around anyway if all they're going to do is suppress you, control you, tell you how you should be, how you're right and wrong? Why deal with that? Is it worth it? For what? For their love? Is it really their love? Or is it their control? And you think if you meet the way they want you to be, they're going to like you and accept you? Yeah, but the problem is you're not going to like and accept yourself. And that is a problem. But that's also what we're learning in this world, is to like, to accept, to love ourselves.
And then it won't matter if others like and love and accept us or not. But eventually we will find, if we do that for ourselves, the people that are not willing to participate in that with ourselves, you'll find them dropping away. And guess what? When they drop away, you're going to find other people coming forward, people you'd rather be around because they do like and love and accept you for who you really are. Because you're no longer holding back because you are loving and accepting yourself. And that's why I'm sharing some of these things today like I am. I've been holding back. I make the jokes, I've been saying this probably a couple of years, that believe it or not, I've actually been holding back quite a lot for many years. There's some very amazing, profound truths that I know, but I've been holding back, sharing like I am today, because I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. I didn't want to cause a ruckus, because I know what would happen in MSA if they heard this. Oh, it would cause a ruckus, all right. In some ways, I kind of hope it does. I'm tired of the games. It's time for the truth to be revealed. Because what do you want to live by? The truth that'll set you free? Or do you want to live by your assumptions and your hopes and your wanting it to be a certain way so you can be something rather than who you really are? It's time to honor who you are, not honor what you think you want to be. And that really is the key in all this. So if anything, I'm hoping that as I honor myself more by sharing these things like I am today, it'll be the setup for whatever's next in ILM here. Because I've wondered sometimes, I mean, we've been through quite a process, and I also have to say the finances have been part of it. You've been hearing it part there. We've been stressing out, wondering, my God, Where's the money going to come from to keep ILM going? Well, little by little, God has a way. And we'll keep watching to see how that unfolds. Because I've had plans. I've wanted our own retreat center. I've wanted our own conference center. At this point, we're lucky to have a house to meet in. And actually a pretty damn nice one, to be honest with you. Patience? Oh, my God. I'm not patience, but I've learned patience. But I see how things are transforming literally from the inside out to literally the broadcasting now, like the nice camera set up, all the gear we have, the wonderful volunteer team now we have. It's wonderful what's happening here. The new website eventually. Oh my God, that's another process. That's supposed to be done at the end of the summer. Here we are three months later still waiting. I, fi I figured out two things. When it comes to technology in construction building, it always takes longer. And there's always technical difficulties or some kind of, you know, building difficulties, whatever it is. But when the product gets done, it's pretty awesome. We'll reveal more to you. We'll keep you posted as it is. We're still in process. It's going to make it easier, more fun, even, even the broadcasting stuff. There's all kinds of stuff, but I'm not going to go into it anymore until it's actually done, and then we can share what it is when it's actually operating. I've always looked forward to the future, optimistic, but I've done it so much now, and then it changes on me. And then I go, oh my God, once again, I get all my expectations blown away and now I'm disappointed. And then everything I told everybody now, 
around all my hopes and wishes that I thought it was unfolding the way it appeared to be. And then when it gets obliterated, I'm like, holy shit, not only am I disappointed, now all these people I've been sharing and talking with, wow, did I just lead them on? Well, yeah, in a way I did, even if it was in good intention, because that's what I was told or shown or the direction I thought we were going. And then that's hard because now I've got to be responsible and handle that which I put out and stirred within other people. And so that's part of the learning though for all of us. It's been my learning for sure. I guess I'm at a point where I'm tired of the disappointments of my own expectations that it's like, all right, time to let it all go and say, I don't know what it is until it literally is here anymore. Just like Jim was saying, it's like, yeah, it seems like we're coming up on a shift and a change, but we don't even really know what it's going to look like. I guess Jim lost all of his psychic abilities after he started this path of initiation. I know a lot of people are drawn here because amazing clarity. I've never seen anybody so clear with how Jim used to be. Now he's just all muddled up. <laughs> nope, no more of that spiritual psychic reading anymore it's all about god now and initiation that other stuff just a distraction i guess <laughs> except for when it comes forward to support a soul moving to liberation because it does i'll be honest at times when jim and i are up here sharing with people or doing appointments or retreats or something sometimes spirit will bring in literally psychic detail if that's what's going to support the soul to really move towards liberation. Otherwise, it's going to be more general, like you hear us most of the time, just supporting the action of meditation and this pathway of liberation. And that's the way it should be. Because in doing so, then each of us has a responsibility to take that information and apply it to have our own experience to learn and grow. Just like Jim was talking about symbols to really take the information and start to learn the language of symbols for ourselves by journaling our dreams, looking at our dreams, studying them. That's part of self-study, meditation, self-study service. Kind of covered it all today in Jim's sharings. He talked about actions of service he's done, literally physical actions, let alone a spiritual one, self-study, and the meditation. And that's part of the simplicity and elegance of this pathway. It's just that threefold path, meditation, self-study, and service. However that unfolds, however that looks. But we have to pursue it. We've got to partake and participate in it if we're going to get any of the benefit of it. It's not a spectator sport where we just sit back and watch. Although that's not a bad place to be when you're in meditation in a place of observation while you're listening and watching. But even in meditation, ours is active. When we're chanting, we are loving God. That's an active process that you're putting yourself into, taking action. It's not a passive one until you literally go passive because you're sitting there chanting and loving God and chanting and loving God, being active. And then at some point you relax and now listen, watch, and receive God's love for you. That part is passive. But we've got to be active and passive. Giving and receiving. 
And we've got to create the space for both aspects of the meditation so that we get the full benefit. This is how we build a relationship with God. We do our part, and then we let God do God's part. We give our love to God, and we receive God's love for us. That's really the simplicity and elegance of this action of meditation. But it's really doing it, and as Jim was just saying, you've got to pay attention. You've got to pay attention. That active focusing is so important. Otherwise, we just go to sleep and we remain ever unconscious and are part of the living dead rather than truly being the living that are awake and aware of the divine. And that is our goal here is to be awake and conscious of our divinity, to wake up to that, to know that, to live that by literally experiencing it on a daily basis, hopefully on a moment-to-moment basis, at the very least in our meditations, hopefully in our dreams as well, but really all day long. We've got to keep our focus up here on the seat of the soul. Begin to look at all of life through the soul. Even when your eyes are open, hold your attention up here and look at everything. It's a lot more interesting. If you can learn to hold that focus like you do in meditation, you'll begin to see your vision shift at times up to the spiritual eye. You'll start to see that movement of spirit even physically whether it's in people's auras, whether it's in nature, whether it's in the air itself. When I allowed my vision to really shift, just like when Jim was talking, when I had my eyes open, I'd watch and then it would shift and I'd start to see movements in the air around him. I used to call it the sparklies. Often when my vision would shift from this point up, I'd see all these sparklies. That was the action, that creative action of spirit from the soul level up. I used to watch out in the sky and it'd be all blue and then at some point it would shift and become pink. When I used to do some walks in the evenings years ago, I'd look up at the moon and I started seeing the blue moon. You know how people would say once in a blue moon? I always wonder, well, what's that about? Where'd that come from? Well, I started seeing the blue moon all the time because I realized as my vision shifted up, I would see the spiritual that spiritual light around the moon, and it was blue. Wow, the blue light, how about that? Maybe I see in the moon's soul. <laughs> Once in a blue moon. Well, if we live spiritually, we can see a blue moon every day, every night. And that's what I was doing. I say was because the last few years I've kind of dipped down into the pit of hell. As you know, I've talked about that two and a half years, a little more than two and a half years ago now. But a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I finally came back up into the soul realm again. So it's been a hell of a journey in the last two and a half years. But I know there's a purpose in it all. I don't question or doubt that anymore. No matter how hard things get, no matter what I go through. Even this morning in my meditation, I remember being in some place of complete darkness again. Just that void of blackness and nothingness. I am so comfortable in it now. That's the biggest thing I realized. I'm like, wow, 
This used to scare the shit out of me, and I can see why it'd scare everybody else, because they feel, you feel so alone, so separated and cut off from everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Nothing exists but you. That's why we're always trying to pass through the void, but that's what keeps the soul encapsulated here in the physical creation. We're too scared to go through that void because there's absolutely nothing there and we are so afraid of being in absolutely nothing, all alone, separate from not only God, but everything and everyone. And that's why it's the greatest trap that Lucifer set up was to leave that gap between the top of the mind and the soul realm because in that amazing expanse of nothingness, it's like, okay, I guess Lucifer was pretty smart. Lucifer knew that that amazing expanse of nothingness would stir so much fear in people, they would turn right back around and go back into the mind just to be part of something. It's a big trap. And that's her job here is to let you know the trap, to spell out the details, let you know the games, the illusions, the smoke and mirrors. What it takes to traverse through that great void, well, that's where the living word, the radiant form of spiritual teacher is required. That is the action of God's loving that brings us through. We'll work and work and work right up to the top of the mind, Nope, oh, right there. Nope, oh, right there. Right below the eyebrows. And then we come up to the void, and it's like, what now? Well, that's where it's time to surrender. Peace, be still. In the void, it, you will find peace and stillness. But also you'll find your greatest fear when you come up to that nothingness. But that is the place where now you have to fully surrender and truly open and receive now. Become passive and now accept that living word of God. Let that radiant form into your beingness and let it now carry you through that etheric realm. Because what's on the other side is amazing. And there you too will see the face of God. Because that's where the face of God does exist, is in that soul level. You go beyond the soul, yes, you get into the greater truth of God that is just pure beingness, loving, formless. But in the soul realm, there's form. It's where God individualized itself. a lot of fun and it's the most amazing loving experience we'll have when we literally come face to face with God it will happen for every one of us so I think back to 20 years when that was my first time I couldn't believe it was literally God that I was seeing and talking to I mean I was in such disbelief I literally said, are you the face of God? <laughs> it's like, duh. When you see the face of God, you know it, but some part of you won't believe you're actually seeing and talking to God. 
Well, God, of course, being all loving, said yes. That was it, just a yes. Okay, you want to expand on that? <laughs> well, God expanded all right and said, what's your choice? You know, God's a being of few words. Literally, my question was, are you the face of God? I get the answer, yes. Then God says, what's your choice? It already knew my answer. Right away, it was Jim Gordon. But out came a question. I said, well, what are my choices? <laughs> Literally. I knew the answer as soon as God asked me, what's your choice? Right inside of me was Jim Gordon. But then all of a sudden, out of my mouth came, well, what are my choices? <laughs> and that's where God goes, Jim Gordon, money, or the matrix. Well, I said, Jim Gordon. I still stand by that now, even though I said I probably should have said money. But Leave that in God's hands, like Jim says. Let God handle the money so we can do the service. And so for the last 20 years since making that choice, here I am, fat, balding, back surgery, headaches, tired. It's a joy. <laughs> so much for the physical. Because over the last 20 years, spiritually, well, that journey beyond the soul realm into the heart of God, it's like I think it can't get any better, but yet it does. And even going into the pure beingness beyond God, it really is just the most incredible, amazing journey. And it continues to be. It's just different for me now. It's very different. Because I know the action is really about service more so for me now. But I still look forward to having those inner experiences. Those are the greatest joy to me. My second greatest joy is doing this. My greatest joy is experiencing it fully myself. My second greatest joy is sharing it. So that you too can have the experience. And that is the truth. If you didn't know the way the living word works is that it speaks through the spiritual teacher and it is literally the river of loving that is extended through the teacher to the disciple. That's how it works. That's why we drawn to the spiritual teacher when it is our time, through their voice, through their essence, which is all through the loving, that God speaks to each and every one of this, regardless of its coming what appears through a physical form, but if you want the greatest and most enjoyable way, where you're probably not going to hear about sweat down the butt crack, <laughs> is in the radiant form spiritually. But that only takes place in your meditations, your dream state, your inner experiences. That's the most joyful, wonderful process of all. <laughs>